Hi everyone, welcome to the Software Intelligence Podcast. My name is Dave Anderson and I'm joined by my co-host, Claire Palmer. Thanks, Dave. How are you? Yeah, We're not even going to redo that because we decided we're just going to go with the flow um... because we've got two gentlemen (laughs) joining us today from ERT who are a leading organization for clinical testing. Um, and whereabouts are you guys based? Simon and Christian are joining us. Uh, whereabouts are you guys located currently, aside from at home? Um, we, we're located in Würzburg, Germany. Ah, so it's like good. in the middle of Europe. Um, so since the <laughs> since Great Britain um, decided to move out of Europe, the, the middle of Europe is Has like changed. a mile away from here. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See, now the center of everywhere. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like and they, they 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 were building like a nice statue there like this is the middle of your like <laughs> and this is after the uk did have done brexit yeah. have re redone yeah, it yeah. wow yeah Be- before before it was like 150 kilometers away from here oh okay well there you go now you're the center of everywhere and you're going to build a statue to commemorate it i love it so let's start with the elevator pitch on on uh what is ert Simon, maybe one for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ERT, um, eResearch Technology is a company who does um, clinical trials for pharma companies. So um, to get a FDA approval and approval from a from a government to use a um, drug, you need to do a very very extensive tests, and you need to prove that your drug is useful. And that's where we come into play. Um, so what we do is we program or we produce and program the devices, which are with the customers. And then um, we, they measure data like a lung function test. So they have like a little device where they blew in and um, data gets uh, transferred to us. We look at the data, we analyze it. Um, we build reports out of it and then in the end we give the data back to the pharma company and they um attach it to their summary and and then give it the fda or so and what we do is we are responsible for this whole back end means the software which receives the data which saves it processes it um also there's um specialists which look at the data say like okay this ecg curve uh, does not look correct. There was like a measurement failure, things like that. So, are you supplying both uh, hardware and software to the technology company? So, you're basically like the technology arm of these big pharma companies that are like, we need to test for this. And then you become like the technical experts at being able to go, well, this is how you're going to do it. Exactly. So, they, they could come to us and say, like, hey, we need to find, find, or we need to test this and this. And our specialists say, say like, okay, you, how about um, this device? And um, we could measure this and this with that. And that's what we see maybe with our experience. What are the biggest changes you've seen? Maybe, and, and don't answer because of the pandemic, but give us another answer of like, what have you seen that's changing so dramatically, technically? Cloud transformation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically yeah. cloud transformation, microservices. The classical data center is, is going more and more away, right? You have different tasks. You don't have this, let's say, 
in in the past you have to deal with your with your classical data center stack right you had your storage you had your servers you were provisioning the servers then vmware comes into place you started to provisioning uh, um, virtual machines um, then you started to automate and and then all the cloud vendors were popping up and you started to shifting your your workload to the cloud then um, with all the containerized applications like Kubernetes it's, and, and splitting up your big monolith to, to uh, microservices, having a hybrid cloud environment with, with on-prem data center, and, and to have an overview here across all the different yeah, data centers, cloud providers, microservices, who is talking with, with um, other services and so on. That's really challenging. And also all the new technology stacks which are popping up what i already mentioned like kubernetes it's it's such a big shift in the industry right now which is really really challenging and i think also the technology development is just crazy from a from a um, speed I, I remember a time where or like two or three years ago when we were at the aws conference in berlin and christian and dominic which are like my, I always say my A team, um, said like they don't know how they should keep up, and mm -hmm. I was like scared because I mean that they're my A team, so um, that that's what really changed with, and I think a big player was AWS there, that they, with all services and their speed, they release new stuff and change technology, that the whole, yeah, tech technology, yeah, they they. Yeah, they were like evolved like this or, or started it and, and everybody attached to it. And that's the speed is, is changed a lot the last five, six years. So is it the speed of the cloud providers and the speed of the technology providers that is making you feel like you can't keep up? Like they're going so fast, so you're having to keep up as well? Because we're not talking competition or are we talking competition? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, you can't keep up anymore. You need to find your way to... Um, adapt to that um but i think like with the cloud technology everything else speed it up too so so other companies adopted to the cloud technology um our company adopted to it and then like the the speed also other companies releases new releases new services and things like that's just crazy and our company adapted to it too and um yeah we're, we're releasing 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 so it's so hard to quantify this because you, it's so easy to go back in time and you go, I remember going back to AWS shows like five years, six years ago and there wasn't that many people and then the year before the pandemic, you couldn't move. Like you could, just couldn't mm -hmm. move anywhere. They're mm -hmm. just, it's, and Kubernetes has gone from three years ago to be something that was people were dabbling in and you, you're the experts. You'll probably tell me better than this, but now everyone is using Kubernetes. And so it's like the, the, the maturity of things coming in to adoption and then how quickly widespread it goes is so extreme. Is there yeah. any examples that you can think of in your head that go like, you know, you talked about releases or new technology deployments. Is there anything that we could, the average person, this is the part that I should also explain is this isn't always this podcast isn't just for the, the technical people. It's also for the average person that can get their grasp around what can you quantify this speed? Is it releases that you're releasing now? Is it technologies that you're supporting? Is it cloud? But what is it that? It's. It, I think it's everything. 
question. I don't know about you, but I mean, so, also you and and from a management level, also you, your staff needs to keep up, which is tough. And and also the you need to find ways because um, also you need to, I mean, when you adapt the technology and you're quick in adapting, you also need to let it go when it's not working mm -hmm. or when a new technology is better. Mm -hmm. That's also a challenge which which we have. Like we have. We use everything, every technology just out there. <laughs> yeah, is it a try it and then go, it's not working, don't worry, move on. Fail fast, DevOps type principle. So so when, when you think about, in, let's say 10 years ago, you, you your software was typically written um, in Java or in a .NET framework, right? Now you have Node.js, you have Golang, you have such a huge variety of different languages and build systems and so on you need to support and the only thing you can handle such a huge amount of services new services and tasks is through automation mm -hmm. right and trying to shift left as far as possible mm -hmm. so um to to enable the developers as you said also to fail fast right so that a bug is not um, found in production the bug is found in, in development or integration environment and um, yeah, so that's for me the key concepts is is really automation, automation around your CI/CD process, utilizing the tools you've got. Like, as I said, like uh, Dynatrace. You have all the data in Dynatrace. You need to know about your application. You need to know about your environment, about your infrastructure, and you just need to use this data to try to shift left as as much as possible and to automate around it. How hard is it? I want to touch on the Dynatrace piece in a minute because that was a natural segue. But everyone talks about shifting left. Everyone talks about fixing problems before they get into production, but some companies just physically can't do it. What advice or what have you learned that has enabled you to be able to do it? So, so when you talk about companies who can't do it, do you talk about companies who don't have... An staging or in, in, in a development environment or don't have to yeah another and i had the same I'm, that was my same question i, I didn't got you with like they can't do it why they can't why why did they so this is unfamiliar to you but it might be an operations team they are adequately using dynatrace they are they're they're not in a modern devops kind of uh cultural shift right they're not there yet and maybe this is so unfamiliar to you because you've been in it uh, I, I have to admit, so we started, we, we are in the middle of our transformation as well. And yeah. and it all started, I would say, around about three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And and we are not finished yet, right? So um, let's say that this was a fun story about Dynatrace, because when we started using Dynatrace, it was basically... We told the story a lot of times, but we were sitting in the train. We we saw Dynatrace at the AWS summit. We were sitting in the train, and Simon signed up for the trial. And then we started to roll out Dynatrace from within the train um, um, on one of our. I think it was in validation environment, or was it dev environment? Was I'm not sure. It, it, was, it's a validation environment. <laughs> it was like okay. Um, we all had a little bit of a hangover after the AWS summit, and I was in the train like. Okay, let's let's move on to one environment here, uh, one agent installation. Okay, 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 roll it out. And so we saw 
right from the beginning the benefits of Dana Trace or from the AI because we we out of sudden we, we don't had an APM tool before, right? And now we saw all the different errors popping up, JavaScript errors from the front end and so on and so on and so on. And this was more kind of an eye opener for us. So we, we then we saw, we were looking for an operation tool, right? For, for monitoring in a production environment. But then we saw the benefit of using the monitoring data in our development lifecycle as well, right? So um, this was more kind the yeah the shift to to say okay it would would be more beneficial to have these capabilities of an APM tool in your development or or pre-production environment, not only in your production environment, right? Yeah. So I want to touch on that because I want to replay what you just said to me to make sure I heard it correctly, which was uh, everyone talks about Dynatrace being easy to deploy. But you went to an AWS show, you were sitting on the train and you deployed the one agent whilst sitting on the train and went, oh, wow. Because, and we did it in the train because the sales engineer told us how it works and we didn't believe him. Oh. And so we were, <laughs> so we, we said like, can we talk to somebody who's technical because we thought he's marketing or sales and uh, it was a funny story and then in the in the train we talked about it and we like we we can't believe it and then I let, okay I, I sign up and 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 the internet connection in the uh, deutsche bahn is not stable <laughs> so so we installed it and and afterwards when we analyzed it then at home we found software which even the developers of the software wasn't aware anymore that we use it like hornet mq so like why are we using hornet mq and he said like I, we don't use it there. And then like, look, that's the cues. All oh, right. That's from a colleague. He left three years ago. Wow. That's amazing. Sorry. So your sales engineer was the one that uh, you didn't, but I love the skeptics. I love, cause you've worked in the industry for enough time to be able to go, yep. this AI is marketing. The, the answers that's going to give is not possible. The multi-cloud visibility, not possible. The ease of deployment, not possible. But you sat on the train yeah. and proved it to be possible. Another reason why we think it's not possible, we tested already a competitor, but we won't tell which competitor. Ah. <laughs> on the train? I like it. <laughs> because because in, in, in other tools, you have to configure for every kind of technology yeah. stack, your, your plugins and... and um, all of stuff and the guy at the at the Dynatrace booth told us, yeah, yeah, you just need to drop the one agent and everything is discovered automatically and, and you don't need to configure like Java um, arguments or plugins for, for, for Tomcat and whatever, right? And we were kind of, how this should work? It's not, yeah. it's not, not possible. possible. As we said, we, we already compared some some yeah, competitors uh, um, and it was kind of, this, this won't kind of work. So did you discover Dynatrace at the AWS event? So you were obviously looking at someone else and then you happened to stumble on us at the event? I mean, we went to AWS also to, to met with the salesperson from the other company and he flew in from San Francisco. Oh no, maybe oh. we know which That's company what, it is. Ah, they're all from the West <laughs> yeah. Coast somewhere. That's right. We need to cut it now. No, um, kidding. So we met with them at AWS and I mean, we, we liked the tool already and then uh, we had Dynatrace on our bucket list and had an appointment with a salesperson already at the booth. And um, 
Yeah, but it totally derailed our POC with the other company. So Wow. So would you? how would you summarize it? Because you talked about before at the very start, keeping up with technology is really, really hard. So the more automated you can make any of your monitoring, the better. So if it's automatically doing auto configurations, auto thresholds, everything's automated, auto updates, I'm going to assume given your answer already, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth, that automation was probably one of the key reasons. Is there anything else with the Dynatrace platform that you immediately kind of went, oh my gosh, this is... Yeah, it's also the full stack, to be honest, that you you see it really from the database query to the user session. That That's mind-blowing, to be honest. Why is that so important? For someone that wouldn't understand it, why is that so important? Because people are still going to use silo monitoring tools and go... Will we get all those answers independently? Why is it important to see full stack? <laughs> uh, to find the root cause quicker, to be honest. Um, it's, it's. It, I mean, before the race, when first we didn't have a performance monitor, when, so when somebody came into my office and said like, hey, the software is, uh, our website is slow. The only thing I could do was logging into our website saying, no, it's, it's, it's fast and then looking at CPU and RAM on our monitoring tool. So, and then you had like, oh yes, right. Your user session is slow. And that's the reason because a VM moved here in the infrastructure. So that's, that was the, I, for me, it was mind blowing. Yeah. Answers instead of just data on glass, right? That's the marketing message. Is that a true reflection of what you're getting? Somehow, yes. I like when we work with uh, like German and Austrian because they're like, it, it can't, marketing doesn't work. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll get an honest answer. You'll go, is it 100%? And they'll go, it's never 100%. It's always 99 point. <laughs> yep, yep. So Christian, from your perspective, can you talk to the value of Dynatrace? Yeah, absolutely. So so when you think about, when you, in, in operations, it's, it's common that you're on call, right? And when you're getting called at night because, um, I don't know, the, the user cannot log into a portal anymore, right? Then it's, in, in the past, you, you need to, to check in various tools, you check the load balancer, you check the, the worker nodes, uh, um, <clears throat> you're looking in your, in your classical infrastructure monitoring, is there anything failing or something like that? And if you're now getting up at night and, and you're, you're directly seeing from an AI perspective, hey, your users cannot log in anymore cause, I don't know, as I'm already told, there is a VMware server where uh, the storage pool is running slow. This is this is absolutely yeah, it's a, yeah, reducing what's kind of in, in the marketing terms, the mean time to remediation, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 yeah, it's helping us a lot um, cause of the full stack analysis, right? Um, and and the one few, because when I when I'm seeing competitors, you you need to click through the yeah, different tools like APM monitoring, then infrastructure monitoring, and so on. And and this this yeah holistic view of your of your infrastructure of your application is really helping us to to identify the problems faster, right? So would you say the quality of the software that you're running is now improved as a result? From from development perspective, developers can can of course check if their software is is um, in in earlier stages if their software 
having issues like, hey, my newly deployed service is now running slower than than before, right? So so um, I don't know if I can, can mention this, but but um, tools like Captain, right, where you can can add SLI and SLO evaluations into your different um, build stages and say, okay, if I deploy a software, the software shouldn't run slower than before. The software uh, um, shouldn't yeah execute more database operations um, um, for a single API call as before, and and so you can build resilience into your pipeline, mm -hmm. and and also then as a result of this, um, deploy a better version of your software because you, you're already fixing a lot of stuff in, in the early stage, yep. right? It's sort of like assurance, right? You're sort of like, you're, would that be the right way to sort of explain it, Simon? Assurance, yeah, right. I mean, when you use Capnas, we use it already in Def and then you, you sure ensure that your software doesn't have failures or slow performance or any other issues, right? Mm -hmm. And your early adopters, for people that don't understand, Captain is our um, open source. Uh, you guys would probably explain it better than me because you're one of the earlier adopters. But it's theoretically when you have uh, with the AI, with the sense, think, Captain's sort of allowing this automation for you to actually act on the answers that are coming through, right? So we have the sense, think, act. Yeah, right. How would you explain Captain and what value does it play in your, in your organization? So Captain is, is basically an... an um yeah, control plane for, for cloud automation, right? Um, you can plug in different tools to, to Captain and Captain will orchestrate everything around your deployment here. So um, different tools, I mean, with typically Dynatrace is, is really good integrated into Captain. So what we did in the past or our first iterations of our pipeline were um, stuff like um, we were querying the Dynatrace API with, with scripts, um, asking, hey, Davis, do you have detected any open problems after my deployment? And if not, then go over to the next stage. And with Captain, this is getting easier because Captain has set services like the Dynatrace SLI service where um, you can define SLOs um, and SLIs, so service level indicators and service level objectives. And, and Captain will pull the data automatically from Dynatrace and you don't need to write scripts anymore. It will automate all the stuff even easier for you, right? So, so you don't need to write your own bash scripts to check it, uh, uh, your deployment against the Dynatrace API. You just need to install Captain and, and you, you have here a declarative approach that the developers just needs to define what I want to expect from my service and Captain will tell you with the Dynatrace um, 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 data um, if your service is um, yeah, acting as expected or not. And is that enabling you to be more productive? It's it's enabling us to write uh, um, or, or not maintaining so many bash scripts anymore and, and making the pipelines easier. It's enabling us. It is. Yeah. It's, hard to, it's hard to get you... The thing that I find fascinating with technology people is if you're going for a run and you're getting better, you know that you're running faster. Every time I talk to customers and every time you reset your level of productivity, you reset your level of productivity. You basically just diminish the things that you didn't have to do anymore. We don't have to write bash scripts anymore and then you forget that you ever had to write them. And it's hard for you to go back in time and go, remember when we had to do that? 
that was hard and we were slow. And now it feels like you're on this constant treadmill of like, got to go faster, got to go faster, got to go faster. Does it feel that way to you that it's like, great, now you have Kepton, now you're automating more, now you're going faster again, now you're going faster again. It's a constant race for speed and automation to streamline what it is that you do. So, so for us, it's hard because our whole infrastructure changed in the, in the last three, four years. Because um, we not so so we started using Dynatrace. We started using, uh, for instance, GitLab as an as a platform for mm -hmm. our developers, um, utilizing GitLab CI/CD for for deployments and 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 building software, and also started using Kubernetes and and all the different. That's that's a huge shift, huge right? Change. So so in the past you had your your typical. Uh, um, source code repositories. We had TFS. We had a Git server in place. We had used the Atlassian suite, for instance, and and then migrated everything over. So it's kind of it's not only a treadmill. Um, I would say it's more kind of a washing machine where you're sitting inside and everything's changing around you, right? <laughs> so it's. Do you so that so you just mentioned a whole heap of technologies? You didn't do them all at once, right? You would have gone and you test one and then go, okay, we'll go with that one and then, okay, that one works. Now we're mm -hmm. going to move on to this one. We're going to test this one. This one works. We're going to do that one. It wasn't just like all of a sudden you went, oh my God, let's wake up today and let's change everything. Let's get a container orchestration engine. Let's pick a new cloud provider. Now we're going to need an observability platform. Now we're going to like, where are we going to store That's all this? That's what we did. Which one did you do? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Why did you and, do and that? that? It's funny. Somehow like the... Dynatrace and Captain, it all came to the time where we re-architected our toolchain. So it all was the same time. And wow. then we we defined a toolchain and, and then we, we grew it. And that's, yeah, how we did it. Yeah. What was the tipping point? Because change requires a lot of effort. Big change requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of buy-in. It requires a time. It's easy for us to do this in a pandemic because we go changes are easy now because we've been through bad yeah, stuff what was the driver yeah what yeah. was the driver like, what was it that we went right we have to hmm. good question um the interesting part i mean i think we started um using gitlab because we like our um github on-prem was too old so we, we we looked into new technology and then everybody jumped on it so r d they're so like, hey, cool, can we use it? And then people started to adopting it themselves, which is something with new technology, with also something great with new technology that you have a lot of people which would like to use the latest and the greatest. Mm. And that's somehow our two chain evolved. Like we, we used, we started using GitLab and then everything. And Christian started using GitLab and Kubernetes and everybody jumped on board and said like, hey, that's great, cool, can we use it? What's the concept? And then it grew from there. Yeah, so it wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't a, like a push. It was down more kind of an accident. Let's no. say it like so. <laughs> so so as as I'm told, um, we we started using, so so it was really like like so it um, we we had an old Git server in our company, and we just needed for our puppet automation for a pre-receive hook, we just needed a new Python interpreter on the machine, but the guy who was in charge of the machine said, no, we cannot upgrade the machine. So, so I started, okay, let's, let's look for another solution. And, and Dominic and colleague of mine and, and I, we were installing a, a GitLab instance. And then um, some, some developers 
came to our uh, um, office and hey, you're using GitLab, cool, can we use it too? And, and because it's a self-service driven approach here. So in the past, they need to, to request new repositories in GitLab uh, for, for, for Git server and so on and so on and so on. And now they can do everything by their own. So they started hopping on, on, on GitLab like, like crazy. And it was um, also other departments started on, on uh, working on GitLab as well. Right. And at the same time, we were looking for, um, always started a small we are calling submarine project a little poc using container uh, uh, orchestration so um, we compared back in the day there were still docker swarm uh, a thing and docker swarm against kubernetes and um, then yeah kubernetes was adapted like crazy as well so so people want to use it and this was everything in yeah yeah in the, in the last three years i would say right so and and this, at the same time, when we started using Kubernetes and, and using GitLab, we, we all started using uh, Dynatrace. And it was, as I said, it was a crazy, crazy time. Yeah, and with having that much people already on board, we had a, we had a, a, a large voice and, and it wasn't an issue. And then we said like, okay, now we need to do it right. We need a new instance in the cloud. We need to define our tool chain and, and the most was already said, Kubernetes, GitLab, uh, Dynatrace, that was already said. And then I said, we, we define it. Okay, that's our new tool chain. We already had a lot of people who said, yes, that's what we need. Um, and told that like the um, executive level and yeah, that, that was the story. The story is amazing. And I, because you go back, my mind is going a million miles an hour thinking about different angles of all sorts of things, but I want to simplify it as much as I can. Software is the most important thing that any company is doing right now because every company they say is a software company. So fundamentally, and you guys can argue with me differently if you feel differently, but I feel like your point of difference, what you're delivering to the world is software to enable pharmaceutical companies to be able to test, which has a huge humane impact on society. Your decisions to select technologies are really important. When you really boil it all down, by democratizing the decision to go, we will go naturally towards whichever is the best. We will test, we will validate, we will learn, we will improve. The culture of what you've done means you've set yourself up to be best in class. And I don't know whether you know that you did it now that we've asked the question. Like it wasn't a management push down to go, we will now do an RFP to find the best, whatever. You just went, we need to be the best. We need to use the best. We need to automate as much as possible. It, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I think we just realized that ourselves <laughs> in this talk... Um, I don't think yeah, people yeah. that we work with, I don't think you guys give yourselves enough credit for the work that you do when every person who is running the technology that's running the company, I don't think they quite comprehend how critical they are. No one else in the business can do what you did. Okay. <laughs> let's, say, <laughs> let's leave it like that. I know it's a bit heavy, but I, but I fundamentally believe like... If you didn't do it, if you didn't modernize, and let's go back, let's do it the other way. What if you didn't do it? No, if we, if we wouldn't do it, we will now being really, and I don't use the F word here, 
because um, you know to to we we will still deliver software like on on VMware's and and so on. Perhaps we have started using Kubernetes, but but not so yeah so so early than we we have done before, right? So so we will perhaps being now in the shift to to containers and to split up our our uh, um, monoliths into micro services and all of stuff. We will be a little bit slower, but no. And perhaps we were using another tool for monitoring right now. Who knows? But we would also use still eight different build tools. Yeah. We would need eight different administrator for the build tools. Um, so that that's a and that's a big cost thing too. Um, so mm. um, the the simplifying the tool chain, it's it's quicker to onboard for the developers. Also with the monitoring, and that's the next steps we want to go is also automate monitoring with this cap Monaco, and we hire two people to do that full time to take care on Dynatrace. Um, that would be like the next step. That it's just the the vision is to enable the developers and the DevOps teams to not think about monitoring. It's just done in the background, and it's the same with other services like Kubernetes, um, GitLab. And and I think that's also the, at least my vision where the company will or the R&D will reform to is that we we as IT just um, develop services to them self service. So what what's what's next? Um, yeah, so um, monitoring is code. Mm -hmm. It's a big thing. Um, I think we, we want to use Captain in production. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we hit it this year, but uh, that's next. And then um, self-remediation, so like autonomous operation. It's, it's a big goal. Autonomous operations. Yep. Yeah, so, so with, with Captain 08, we are now able to utilize um, um, the Captain um, delivery feature. To, to that captain can actually roll out our software, not only using quality gates or something like that, but also roll out our software to the different Kubernetes clusters, mm -hmm. monitoring the software. And if something is failing like, or, or let's say another uh, example, um, Dynatrace detecting that my response time is getting slow on a specific service, then captain can scale up my deployment in, in my production environment. So autonomous operations like this. Or let's say with a new Dynatrace security feature, if Dynatrace is detecting uh, an vulnerable uh, um, API in my in my environment, which can be, which is exposed and which will expose, for instance, sensitive data, then you can say with Captain, okay, gracefully shut down the service, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's what we mean with uh, autonomous operations here. Uh, so using the data in Dynatrace, which we already have, to make decisions in our infrastructure and in our deployments. Yeah, so it's an augmented intelligence or assisted intelligence is the right answer, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's a, a system that can help the humans make the decisions as to what to do. But there's also an element of where you're talking about the automation coming in where it can do what you need to do without the humans interfering, but still... still yeah controlling overall um one last question i think because we're probably uh getting close to time and i'm i'm having a really good conversation 
I have to say, I'm really enjoying both your passion for what it is that you do and also your technical understanding of how this works. Um, I wanted to touch on just very briefly, you mentioned security. So obviously Dynatrace has moved into security as well. And part of your story that you talked about was the importance of um, you know, getting observability into everything across the entire full stack, um, across every cloud environment, all the services. How is adding security into Dynatrace helping, um, helping yourself? So from, from a technical standpoint is think about when you're building a software application, you have your, your, your timestamp where your software is getting built and you're, you're running your security checks within your CICD pipelines, like static code analysis, you're running container scanning for, for your, for your images, you're running perhaps after the deployment and, and dynamic security check, um, and then scanning website, you're using API fuzzing or whatever, but this is the status right now when it's getting built then you're deploying your software and it's running right and you can either run uh, continuously uh, security checks with with i don't know a sap proxy or something like that but you don't know if there's any kind of library or something like this having an, an vulnerability detected and and that's the great thing about the dynatrace solution here because even though your your software was okay when you when you built and shipped it, it couldn't be okay or it could be uh, uh, yeah yeah faulty um, after a month, right? Because you're using some libraries you shouldn't uh, you should upgrade, and then you can say, uh, hey, we have detected some some issues with the library. Please rebuild your software with a newer version, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's the and, real time on it. The monitoring, yeah, the real time, real -time. function, it's a big benefit. Yeah, real-time information is critical. And, and so now I want to get the last question for you both. You and said I, the last question was the last question. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I knew. <laughs> She's right, though. Um, I want to get a value from you. If you were to summarize the value of Dynatrace as succinctly as possible, maybe we'll start with you, Simon. What would you say? I mean, the big benefit of Dynatrace is that it's a central tool which collects a lot of data from it from your systems and it's not just collecting the data it it helps you understand the data and that, that's a big selling point for me because um, a lot of tools collect data and, and shows you nice graphics but with the AI Dynatrace is also telling you hey in this and this data points you have similar or in this and this tool software you have similar issues and maybe the root cause is here and it finds it way in, in your infrastructure where you normally don't have insights into. And what does that enable your team to do by having those answers? I mean, quicker decisions on issues. And as we just talked about, it also enables the team to automate stuff and to do automated decisions with that data. So they, 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 they can think forward. Mm, that's a good analogy. Think forward. I like it. Yeah. Focus on the future. Christian? So, so basically from operations perspective, I would definitely say um, the, that the root cause analysis is helping a lot because you, as, as some already mentioned, you don't need to, to wake up at night and then searching for the for root cause across multiple monitoring systems and, and so on. So good slip, uh, sleep is important, right? And if you don't need to, to search for an issue for an hour, but getting the answer right away, that's really great. And what I would need to mention as well that um, with Dynatrace, it's not only a, I would say, vendor customer thing, 
-hmm. is uh, with Dynatrace, which is really cool. They are listening to the, Dyna uh, to, to the customers, asking them, hey, how can we improve our product, right? And we are also learning from Dynatrace. So, so when, I, when I'm working with the captain team, I'm, I'm always learning new stuff there. And it's a really good combination and good fit. And, and I think we can benefit from each other because we are bringing our, so, so we are working in a regulated environment and, and yeah, we are cam coming up with use cases, perhaps the captain team does not think about, or the Dynatrace uh, product managers have not think about. And um, yeah, this kind of partnership, I would say is, is really, really cool. That's awesome. I, I agree. Dynatrace is the first company which really asked us as a customer what we want. It's really the first company I work with, which really is interested in, in, in our opinion. That's fantastic. It's great it's to hear. It's so it good to both. hear that. Yeah. You know, you just, it's just doesn't happen enough. I don't no. think. Yeah. It's great. So it, both of you, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful having you as part of the podcast and I look forward, hopefully to seeing you back in person sometime yeah. and have a Munich beer or two uh, at a perform event or a go event or some sort of event when we're all allowed to be back together again. How does that sound? That sounds great. Great. We're, we're a big beer drinker. We're German, so. <laughs>